This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is on at the cinemas. Ice House is blaring on the stereo. It's humid and dangerous, and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, Dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980. And each week, we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book. And Dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. Every week I sit down with my dad who used to be a cop and we go through chapter by chapter my book about his time in the New South Wales Police Force. And this week we are finally getting to one of my favourite characters in the book. His name is Dunn, D-U-N-N-E. It's not his actual name, obviously, we've changed it. But before I plow in, um, Dad, how are you doing this week? And how many times have you seen my face on billboards? I'm feeling great. And I was actually driving through a suburb called Willoughby in Sydney, past a uh, an organisation that don't sponsor this show. But I think it's quite fascinating in that I, again, saw a massive poster. Uh, but this time I pulled up and uh, I was actually on my way to an antique call I've just spent the last two days packing an entire estate on my hands and knees, which was pretty traumatic. Probably should have just done it standing up. Might have been easier. Uh, well, I had to be on the floor. Um, <laughs> the thing is, Paul, that I pulled up at this um, store and there was a huge poster of you looking really... I think that particular shot of you ac- actually... When you read the, the title of, the, of, of this ad outside i'm gonna say it dan murphy's mm-hmm. um do you think there's anyone here just just quickly do you think there's anyone who listens to this show and who hasn't seen the ads because just to just to put things in context i appear to be everywhere i mean all across australia on street corners under underpasses and like billboards public transport it, t- like it's everywhere um i'm not sure whether you can be under an underpass 
I well, think you mean I think you mean under an overpass. Well, hang on, I could be over an underpass, right? You could be, um, <laughs> but look, I'm I'm loath to actually. I'm not loath, but I'm I kind of it's I'm caught between a rock and a hard place, listeners, and that is How that. So? Well, I don't really like talking about the particular company. So don't you know? Just just say the just say the no, company. No, but I just I mean I wouldn't mind talking about it if they were you know. <laughs> Giving us dollars. Yeah, sure, no, but because, I mean, you know, that's what yeah. they're getting. They're getting yeah. some free advertising here. But I pulled up and I went inside and I I bought a bottle of wine mm. and I said to the guy, he turned out to be the manager. I said, "Oh, and I I had a photograph of the photo. I'd taken a photo of your of the poster out the front." And I said, "Oh, this is my son." And he was genuinely excited and he called a few staff over and we all had a bit of a chat. One of the guys wanted to know exactly how much you earned for the campaign, needless what? to say. Yeah, true. What Sweet guy. F- <laughs> but I, 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 just, I just didn't... I just said more money than I earn in a year. And um, That's not true. But... It's not true. Of course it's not. But yeah, I had to say something. Um, and then I said, would you mind coming outside? I said this to the manager. And he took a photograph of me standing underneath the photo of you, which I thought was kind of nice because um, it is fairly surreal seeing your son in all those photos. But anyway, look, enough of that. Um, but it's it's just nice to to sort of talk about it momentarily. But, but I mean, what, what do you think of the of the overall aesthetic? Because I don't, I don't think it looks like me well, very much. But... Well, one of the guys actually said, uh, look, sweet staff, they were really lovely. And I felt, yeah. and one, and I don't want to sort of, I didn't really want to say this, to you but in particular one member of staff said is that a real moustache <laughs> and i said paul can grow a moustache in two days and he gets that on his mother's side sure yeah, yeah. and another guy said um is he a male model which i said no he's not i guess technically i am given that i was you know I, a model yeah but i didn't say ma- that's on my side of the family okay great yeah all right so really this is about you Taking credit for for my looks, great. Okay, well, I think we spent enough time on that. Uh, but speaking of men with moustaches, uh, this week we are going to be talking about technically two chapters: so chapter nineteen, the hot list, and chapter twenty, done for. Um, because done is a he's a mustachioed Glaswegian, and Dad, full disclosure: if we were to ever do a loose units movie or TV show or whatever, I think I would want Johnny Lee Miller to play. Done. How would you feel about that casting? Sherlock Holmes in Elementary. Oh, fair enough. Yep. Yeah, that'd be cool. He doesn't have a moustache. Yes, but as you've just pointed he'd out, have to, he'd have to, to have Mr. A fake Dan one. Murphy's, you can whack a fake moustache on, and then suddenly you've got a moustache. True. True. Um, I actually had a look at a photograph of me yesterday that a friend sent through from ten years ago, and I've actually got a moustache and goatee. Can you please send the photo through? Yep. I need to see you with facial hair because it's not a thing I see very often. No, I, I like it. I like facial hair. Well, good on on me, mm. um, but it does take a long, long time. Uh, Christine once referred to my moustache as a cricket team. Twelve aside. <laughs> An extraordinarily dull. Um, okay, well that's all right. Great. Um, We've kind of all right. Well, we've we've emasculated you enough. I think I'm going to go on to the chapters. So okay, so chapter nineteen, the hot list, is a real quick one. But the the kind of upshot is that it talks about your sort of pre like pre job checklist. Now, 
for those of um, for those of the listeners who don't know, how would you summarize what a hot list is? Well, I would like to paint a picture for the listeners, and that is that the North Sydney Police Station. That's a Victorian building. Victorian, by that I mean um, of the nineteenth century. Yes, and I pulled up there a few weeks ago and just walked around and reminisced tried to it's 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 basically condemned but it's a historic building mm. it's been vacant for for so so many years probably decades which i think is really sad because it is quite um, a, a beautiful place and um if ever we get to do our uh, bus tour paul in sydney i think that'd be a great place to start at that station i think it might be awesome to basically do a You've been to the Louvre. Uh, they have, I think, a Jeremy Irons voiced book on tape kind of tour where you pop your headphones in. And he's like, hi, I'm Jeremy Irons. And then he sort of talks you through painting by painting. Mm. I thought because there's people who won't be able to, you know, make it. Uh, I thought we could do basically an audiobook version of a tour where mm. we, you and I actually go. We actually yeah. go from location to location. Yeah, yeah. And we do the tour, but we record that. And then what we do is we, we give that to people for free on the podcast feed and they can literally just go and listen to us as they go from location to location. Mm. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, but I thought to introduce the film aspect would be nice. Like to stand at the entrance to the street in Mossman, where the uh, the witch was. Oh yes, and just sort of pan down the street and and just say to the listeners and viewers, one of these houses. And that, I mean, how exciting would that be? Unless you lived in that street, it'd be a bit un- unnerving to know that you could possibly be in that house, which is yeah. kind of freaky. But um, back to the police station, I went to look through the windows to sort of just reminisce and get a sense of the the station as it was. Mm-hmm. And you know, the listeners know that I talk about the counter where the public would come in through one door and, and that's where you, that was your first encounter with the actual uniformed police that would be on the other side of the counter. Oh, it's, yeah, it's your encounter counter. Hmm. Yeah. And then, but there was this sort of nook. So imagine if you're a member of the public looking at the police, then over to the left was this sort of tiny little, I won't call it a room, but it was sort of a, definitely a sort of an area that was fairly private. Mm-hmm. And inside that, that, sort of vestibule was a very very early computer um i don't know whether people recall pac-man which i think was one of the first computer games yeah it's up there i think maybe pong was the first but pac-man is very early Yeah. yeah okay so it was like that type of monitor and it was very very yellowy because a lot of police back then smoked and um, people did smoke in the station and they could go into this particular area and, you know, light up a durry, as they used to be called. Um, now, what you'd do, you'd go over to this machine, this this sort of kind of computer, and next to it, it had a, like a fax machine. Mm-hmm. And you would type three letters into the or onto the keyboard, H-O-T, hot, and that would spew up the last 20 stolen cars in the metro area. It's very odd that um, it's very odd that you should talk about old video game cabinets and typing in three letters because whenever you've finished playing any old arcade game um, or even newer stuff like the Street Fighters and whatnots at kind of milk bars when we were growing up, if you got a high score, 
you got to enter three letters as your initial. And uh, the ones that we always did were either hot or cop or uh, sex. So basically, then on the on the blinking kind of high score thing, whenever the game got finished, if you were really good, you got to kind of have your three and whatever whatever you know three letters you wanted emblazoned mm. up there. And I find it really odd that hot was a thing that people typed in recreationally on video game cabinets, but for the hot list, you are typing in hot into the that's um, interesting, yeah, into like- the machine, and yeah, and you're getting the okay. So the the cars that are so when someone says a car is stolen, they're saying it is hot, like it's it's hot. Yeah, that's what it, that means, it's, right? It's, it's hot, hot. I yeah, I never really went right into it, but I mean, when you talk about the hottest one hundred, do they still use that term? Yeah, yeah. They okay, do. so I guess it just means I don't know. But look, the thing about the hot list in Sydney, you would always print it out, and you'd have it on the dash. You'd tape it on so that you were always aware. And some of the rego numbers that would come up on the hot list would have an asterisk next to the rego, and then you'd you'd do a further check on that particular one. And, for example, it might say something like uh, this particular car, let's say it was a 1980 white Ford panel van, Uh um, has just been used in the commission of an armed robbery. And then it would say, under no circumstances is this vehicle to be approached if it's um, got occupants. Because, and, you you know, you just knew that, there was going to be a shitload of sort of drama, yeah. particularly if they were armed, um, or this particular vehicle was used in the commission of a uh, of a rape, uh, or co- used in the commission of an arson. Um, so you always looked very, very carefully and sort of and made sure. Now that was one of the prerequisites. If ever you got into a car as the driver, um, and you didn't have a hot list. The, the observer um, would, would tell you to go back into the station. And it was a really important part of preparing yourself. But here's a fun fact, Paul. Mm-hmm. If you printed out the hot list at... Now, the shift started at 7 a.m. If you printed out that hot list at, say, quarter to seven in preparation for you leaving the station in the car with your partner at seven, yep. if you went back to the computer at 7 a.m., and typed in HOT, you would get a completely new list of 20 cars. Presumably, if you were working in a like a country town, you wouldn't get a refreshed no. list. But because you were in a, you know, as you, as you said before, North Sydney is sort of a kind of a choke point where a lot of the kind of traffic comes yeah. through. So, yeah. yeah. But okay. it, gives you, it gives you and the listeners an idea of how many cars are being stolen. I mean, based on that premise, it could be as much as 80 to 100 cars an hour being stolen in Sydney, which is Mm. staggering. It's incredible. It's a lot. And so you'd get the car ready, you got the log books, you made sure it was full of fuel, battens, radios, had everything absolutely ready to go. So when the observer, the senior man, came out or woman came out to the car, you knew you were hot to trot, ready to Uh run. And in this case, that senior man was done hmm. because, as we've established, you've have in in you know the chronology of the book, you've finished being paired with Len Beta. You're done with Ant Man, and now you've got this big mustachioed kind of alpha male Glaswegian mentor that you're going to get paired with. So, hmm. hmm. Dunn's a really cool character. I'm a really big fan, and 
so chapter 19, which is called The Hot List, basically has you getting ready for your first shift with this guy. Mm. So, all right, you've done The Hot List. You've done all the checks. You've kind of checked the car for faults and checked the logs and whatnot. You've, you know, kicked the tires, so to speak. Mm. You know, how, how long does that process take to actually get the car ready to go out on patrol? It takes around about maybe 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. Because another thing about it, I mean, it depends on what shift. Like on this particular occasion that we're going to talk about, Paul, it was an afternoon shift mm-hmm. from 3 p.m. till 11 p.m. And you'd get everything ready. And then you also had to go through all the events of the day. So you'd go through the occurrence book, the telephone message pad. You'd just basically get a sense of everything that had happened in that area and surrounding areas in the preceding eight hours. And then you would then kind of psych yourself into... And also you had to go to your pigeonhole and check all the jobs. And, and you're really already pretty pretty busy. And then you're going to go out sort of cruising. And as you say in the, in the chapter, you know, the general speed for general duties on patrol back then was 30 kilometers an hour. Mm. And you would just trawl the back streets. And you would just be observing. Now... Generally speaking, in North Sydney, and I guess across the metro area, back in the 80s at 3 p.m., there was not a lot of, for example, break and enters happening. The break and enters used to happen between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., obviously, because people are at work. I mean, how easy is it to just walk up to any house in any affluent suburb, because where I worked was very affluent, and you just knock on a door. And if no one answers, then you can break in. If someone answers, you go, oh, we're, I'm after Mr. Such-and-such. Does he live here? And they go, no, he doesn't. And you you just go and knock on the next door. And no one right. really suspects anything. But mm. then, but look, it was kind of a bit of a dead zone, 3 p.m. till, say, 7 p.m. So you'd be cruising. Um, there was peak hour traffic. So you'd kind of try and stay off, off the, the main roads. But we'd been cruising for probably maybe three hours and the sun was just starting to to go down and we pulled out onto the uh, the freeway. After about an hour of uneventful patrolling, they pulled down Berry Street and up onto Bridge Street when they saw a shitbox mustard Ford Cortina. John immediately perked up, seeing four young men inside who looked from a distance unsavory. Dunn nodded, noticing John's instinctual reaction and gestured for John to follow them. These guys, remarked Dunn, are shitbags. It's a fairly he, good rendition, Paul, of a uh, Irish accent. Right, for fuck's sake! Jesus Christ on a popsicle stick. That's bad it's enough. good. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, Christ on a bike. Okay. Uh, so just to take it back to the um, to the tailing and to the book. So they began to tail said shitbags, keeping their distance and observing their behaviour. At this point, John and Dunn's car had pulled off a feed road and come down a ramp onto the massive six-lane motorway leading away from the Harbour Bridge and traffic was thick. So, could you please talk us through your version of events as to what happened next and what it was like observing this kind of police work in, in, in action? <clears throat> well, you know, um, God, I almost used his real name. Shit, <laughs> really, no, it's really, I almost blurted out his name. I've got to really, you know, so because you know, I put myself back into the into the driver's seat, and it's like he's sitting next to me. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. And uh, anyway, we look, he, we'd both seen the car, but I was sort of following it and uh, it just, it just stuck out amongst the, the plethora of, of cars. Mm. My senior, the senior guy, he basically said, look, let's, um, you know, let's sort of follow them. And he, he hit the blue light and sort of, and it's very, there's a lot of traffic on the road and you've got to kind of signal to this particular car that we want them to pull over. We don't want them to piss off because um, you don't really know at that stage whether they've done anything. You're just at this stage working on a bit of a, bit of a feeling and, um, and eventually they sort of were fairly compliant and pulled over and we had to sort of, it was quite dangerous where we stopped. So we pulled out slightly further than them. So we create this sort of a meter wide safe sort of passage, particularly for me because I'm the driver, because I'm getting out into traffic and, you know, it's really full on. Um, and then I come round the front of the police car and we're walking and my uh, my colleague had already gone up to the driver and got him to wind his window down and it was clear that this particular guy was basically just he 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 just didn't give a shit about the police and my colleague sort of you know asking him a few questions and and this guy basically just said sort of gave out that body language yeah that basically said look mate you know you you've got nothing on us um you know we weren't doing anything wrong blah 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 and um as the conversation began to unfold, I began to realise that these four guys um, in the car were of dubious character. And you've got to ask yourself, particularly back then, you've got certain suburbs and there are certain types of, you know, people in those suburbs and they can sort of, they can just sort of stick out. And these guys, because our area was red hot for break and enters, mm. and it was red hot for bag snatchers. That was some really, really major. And there was, and it was just, it was crime central. But funnily enough, there were no or relatively few actual crims living in our, our patrol. I mean, obviously, there were white collar criminals. Um, but w- what it was is crims from other areas in Sydney knew that it was rich pickings in, in North Sydney. Yeah, and it was yeah. just literally. Look, it was like a supermarket of of 
of just fun. You knew that if you break in, broke into a house in North Sydney, you knew you'd get some good gear. You get the fucking Ark of the Covenant if you, you break in. I mean, some of the of some of the stuff that these was in these houses. Yeah. And if you're going to break into a house, why on earth would you break into a a shitty house in a shit suburb, knowing that there's nothing in there? But when you go to get arrested, you're still getting done for break and enter. Mm. So may, why not? May as well make try and get some. Yeah. Okay. And these guys were clearly up to no good. And what when you say okay, so could you tell from the way they were behaving that they were to going to a, like do something coming from uh, a robbery? I they, they were, in my opinion, in our opinion, they were getting ready for something. Okay, okay. Um, and that know, area, that, just to be clear, that area for those people who don't know, um, the area where you sort of pulled them over. How close was that to the, you know, the kind of theft oh, zone? Do you think? Oh, within 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 two minutes. Left oh and shit! Right, left and right. Okay, if, yeah. If they're they're on the verge. They've they've come off the bridge from the city. Yeah. Um, they've come from the western suburbs because we knew where the vehicle had come from. We'd already done a stolen transport check, so we knew these guys from. I'm not going to name the suburb or the area because that's because people will get upset, and and perhaps rightfully so. It's a shame that I can't say, but it was it was a shit suburb. Like really, it was a common suburb for for back then for just you know. I don't. I'm generalising. I know, um, but that's policing, and nine times out of ten, you were spot on, and that's that's good policing. That's kind of that's what real policing is: is actually getting out there and stopping things before they happen, as opposed to reacting uh, after the event. And um, the three guys, the passenger and the guys in the back, mm-hmm. they wouldn't. They all had their heads down. They're just looking down at the floor. And if you are, all... if you if you pull over a carload of people who haven't done anything wrong, um, I'm guessing. I mean, I've not been pulled over by the cops before, but I, I guess if I was pulled over, I wouldn't. I don't know how I would act. I mean, mm. well, probably like I'd react today. It's still pretty. It's full on. I mean, I get pulled over for RBT fairly often in Sydney. Really? Oh, at least once every. Um, we just live in an area where it's like the gauntlet. You can't actually leave our area mm. without... If I'm heading north, I go down a particular way and mm. invariably, particularly on the weekends, they've got RBT. And it's still to this day when you when they jump out in front of the car and flag you in and you go in and you if you get your driver's license, it's all, you know, it's it doesn't matter whether or not you were ever in the police force. It's that sort of... And it's also something to do with the way that how they are, if they're polite and... And, and, and I guess nice and courteous and smiling and, and it's all very friendly, which is how it should be in the beginning. Yeah. But there's still this sense that, you know, the police does have a bit of an aura, the police force. They've got this, it's the uniform, it's it's, it's everything. And, and Or you see them on the, on the street doing, you know, foot patrol and, you know, people do. If you pull back and actually have a look at what other people, what they're doing and how they're reacting, it's all fairly, mm. you know, it, it's just this, this thing about the police force. But... um. Anyway, so my colleague's chatting away and this guy was basically just, he was just, you know, he was he was just, uh, oh God, I was almost going to say asking for it, but that sounds so bad. When you say this guy, you mean the driver? The driver, the driver. He was basically, what did he, what he did didn't he, care. What did he look no, like? Do you remember what he looked like? Look, they were in their early 20s. Um, I'm guessing at that point, the fashion would have been pretty cool. 
I just keep thinking about 80s clothes and I'm like, even the most rat baggy rat bags back in the early 80s if you dressed pretty great. Um, mm, yeah, but these guys were just, you know. Bad dudes. And the, yeah, they, they, they had definitely, I can hand on heart say um, that, they'd, that they'd done time. Okay. You know, some of them had jail tats and... But their whole, you know, they must have been pulled over so many times by the police um, and had so many encounters with the police, you know, good and bad. Mm. Um, right, so you can tell generally if someone's dealt with the police before by the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. They, 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 they just don't care. Although I must say that I guess today I think a lot of people sort of care less about the police, which makes policing more difficult. Okay. Look, it's a tough gig. Yeah. Anyway, um, my colleague. Um, now, what I'm about to say, listeners, is is prophetically uncool, and and I would never have done this, but it happened, and it's in the book. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to put it out there, and and please just you know don't sort of don't judge me, but what happened was pretty phenomenal, and I literally couldn't believe what I was seeing, but. My colleague, because um, it was absolutely, um, there was nothing wrong with the car. And this is a bad example of policing, I guess. Um, it's a bad, bad example. But what my colleague did, he went round to the front of the car, um, bearing in mind it's peak hour, and there were literally hundreds and hundreds of cars passing us every second. I mean, yep. it was pretty full on. Yep. And... Um, my there were these four guys just sitting in the car going yeah whatever and um my colleague uh removed his baton and with one blow he smashed the headlight of the car um didn't give a rat's ass he was reacting uh to 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 an attitude from the driver that's that's it's pretty well all i can say about it um i'm not going to to justify or you know i'm not going to philosophize about the pros and cons of what happened but um he then went back to the driver and he said look you've got a problem and the driver said he, the driver just couldn't couldn't even speak but he knew so basically my colleague who'd been in the police force in in scotland and that would have been a very very tough gig mm. in scotland and he was a hard man hard hard as nails and um and you know this guy in the driver the driver's seat he 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 was his jaw dropped and he thought he must have just thought shit i can't believe what this guy's just done but they were he'd taken the these guys had just lost their shoulders dropped they they just thought they just thought that they're dealing with someone not to be mucked around with right and um and then my colleague went to the police car, pulled out a defect book. There are two defect labels. There's a yellow, which means just get the car repaired and mm-hmm. everything's sweet. And then there's the red label. Now, because the sun was going down now uh, and one headlight was broken, the car could not be driven at night time. Okay, yeah. so it's... All right, yeah, I get you. So get it's you. a major defect. So this red label goes onto the, uh, the, the windscreen and the vehicle has to be towed. From the from that location, okay, and um, and then my colleague uh, explained to them and told them uh, 
in no uncertain terms that uh, he basically never wanted to see them in this suburb again. And they all got out of the car and they started walking down the road. And we hopped back in the police car and we, uh, we left. Now, listeners, that's not the end of the story, but I believe, Paul, we'll chat about that next week. Yeah, so chapter, the next chapter is actually the continuation of this story because, yeah, spoiler alert, there is, there is more to this story. Which I'm really excited about. Uh, I mean, did you, did did you? I mean, when you hear that kind of stuff, when you when you're, I, have, I, I, I find it really, really. I, I'll be honest with you, Paul. Mm. That story, it gives me the shivers, and I almost look. I'm embarrassed. Not 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 for. I mean, I'm embarrassed for the culture back then. Right. Right. And. Can you imagine those guys, those four people in that vehicle up to where we are so far in the story? Mm-hmm. They, on the balance of probabilities, they're in their, they're my age now. They're 60. Yeah. Or thereabout. Yeah. Now, wouldn't it be interesting to get those guys back and talk to them and find out... Oh, my God, yes. Did, did, did that impact on their lives? Yeah. And did did, that, did it, one of, did one of them go on and become a police officer? I mean, you know, it's 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 fascinating. I've got to tell you something, uh, and this is probably going to thoroughly embarrass uh, somebody listening to this show. But uh, a friend of mine who I used to work with uh, on TV, um, her partner is. As a result of this show and being a fan of your work, is actually going to enrol in the police academy and become a cop. Uh, and I found this out the other day, and then I bumped into them yesterday, and he was just so chuffed, and I didn't really realize. And as it turns out, he like these, this podcast and the books and everything have just sort of set him off on this bizarre, you know, potential career trajectory. And I think it's super cool that that's happening. But it's interesting how the inverse could also happen because that's a good... You and me are technically giving people, some people, uh, a good experience with police work, even just talking about it, right? And then there's mm. people like these guys in the car who back in the 80s had a run-in with the cops. And it, do you think it's possible that they had an inverse reaction and as a result may have become more prone to crime? I've heard some um, absolutely beautiful and almost heart-wrenching, extraordinary stories about young teenage, mainly boys, Mm. who've had encounters with police that really cared and but were very tough. And some of the stories, Paul, are so life-changing for these people. It only takes one police officer to do something or even to... To care, and you, we don't know what these events, what impact it could have. Look, in in my antique business, I deal with a particular auction house in Sydney. Yep, and some of the staff there vehemently, almost hate police. Right, and it's it's really confronting for me, and they make no apologies. And I find it upsetting. I can't believe they speak. So it's so visceral the way they communicate their experiences. Right, sure. But I understand. 
Well, because they probably and had, I, you know, they've had... They, r- they've had some it. really bad experiences. You know, one of the guys, you know, he's, his family have had some really bad shit happen. And, but I do my very best, even though I'm not in the police force anymore, mm-hmm. to make these people at least help them and, and say to them that, you know, generally speaking, the majority of police or the majority of teachers or the majority of any occupation are actually... Uh, you know, really, really good people and really care. And, um, yeah, look, it's um, it's tough. But but wouldn't it be great? I mean, have we ever discussed, or I'm not sure whether we're going to discuss, remember that night I pulled the, the four uni students over that were lawyers, uh, tr- you know, studying law? Yes. Okay, have we discussed it or is it in the future? No, we've discussed it, yeah. Cool, okay. So there's an example of what I did that night, um, which I could have been sacked for, but I, I, I imagine that had a positive effect. On these four people. I'm so, really curious to see what, like, where this sort of story goes. You know, when we continue this this uh, next week, because the story does take a really strange turn, and mm. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yep. So I think that's all the time we have for this week's episode, Dad. Um, but we'll be back later this week with uh, more loose ends, and we just got the craziest message. By the way, Dad, do you think it's do you think it's cool that? Uh, that the person I told you about, who I won't name, just uh, just in case, has actually thought about it. he might actually just enroll and become a cop because of you, specifically you. How do you feel it's, about that? Um, well, I feel wonderful, but also um, there are two there are two females in America, mm-hmm. uh, and both of them are in the process of joining the uh, the police force over there, and they're keeping me up to date with everything. And they absolutely have been with us on this journey, and I know for a fact that we have influenced their decision to join or try to join the police force in America. So Crazy. it's really interesting. That's amazing. Well, uh, well done to everyone who is, you know, pursuing those careers and just be as good as you can. Oh, there was a woman across the road who is just, she's just stepped in dog shit and she's cleaning up her shoe and it's just so visceral. <laughs> you guys don't need to hear this. Oh, she's going ham. She's using the lid of a sushi tray to kind of scrape between the, anyway. Hmm. What a terrible way to finish an episode. We miss you all terribly. We hope you're staying safe and we will see you at the end of the week for some loose ends. Be good to each other and we'll see you soon. Bye. Cheerio. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.